Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to our episode number 50 of Unsheathed. We are live at Rocky Mountain FurCon, a mile above sea level in Denver, Colorado, with a room full of 100... Got to be like half the con here. Yeah, I'll say. Although it is it is Rocky Mountain Fur Con, so half the con is still only like hundred people. But no, no, they have like five hundred this year. In all seriousness, and uh, we also have our, our first non-human audience member out there, uh, Kiba, the white German Shepherd, is joining us, and uh, may actually have a question for the panel. We will we will see in a little bit. This is we are recording episode fifty here. We had not released 49 yet, but we wanted to make this one kind of special. So this is our 50th episode. We started doing this almost a year ago. Yeah. And we have somehow managed to continue doing it. And uh, and for those of you who don't know, although I assume everybody here came here because they wanted to hear us, I'm Kyle Gold. I am Cam Hirasaki. And we're a couple of furry writers, and we sit down every week and talk about furry writing. We stray into the adult from time to time, but generally we talk about strong characters, good writing, and ways to publicly embarrass me, and ways to fluster ways to fluster the otter. For our fiftieth episode, one of our listeners, Fradas the Fox, sent us an email which needs to be read. He, uh, I will. So I'll go ahead and do that now. If you have no objections, I, I do not object. He says, first, I want to congratulate you guys on reaching episode 50 of Unsheathed. I've been listening to you guys since the very beginning and have enjoyed listening to you answer questions about writing and other furry facts. Have you guys ever wondered how many questions were sent in the past 50 episodes? Who sent the most or who all sent in questions? Never fear, after 16 and a half hours, four Shasta Colas and one large smoothie, I have managed to gather those answers for you and everyone at Rocky Mountain FurCon. So the total I'm number of questions that we have answered, I know, seriously, total number of questions that we have answered on the air through episode 48, because 49 hasn't been posted yet, is 110, which is a lot. That's a lot. The third place people who sent in three questions each, Earth Digger, The Dog Bomb, and Fratus. Not counting this one, I'm assuming. Not counting this one. Not counting yourself, Radis. Second place, with five apiece, Trundane, Pyro, and Kaz. And our most frequent, actually the most frequently read on the air, emailer, oh, yeah. is Condrol. <laughs> Not a big shock to anyone Not a big who shock listens to regularly. Uh, who has, who's had 12 questions answered out of 50 episodes. Which well, means that we featured Condrol on about a quarter of our episodes. Like I said, has it only been 12? It feels like 30. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Joking. Wow. Give an otter a couple glasses of beer and he gets mean. And we want to join Fratis in thanking all of those who have sent in questions. I'm reading off his list here, so if I misspeak any of the names, uh, I apologize for that. But Xerxes Otter, Pyro Stinger, Dazzle, Candrol, Atari Otter, Sonata... Arnon, Not Tube, Confused, Kogo, Kite Phoenix, Foosball, 
Lu Wei. Lu Wei. I don't know. Uh, Wu Wei. Wu Wei. Ah, <laughs> who's actually here in the audience. He's actually here. Athelstan, Fratus, Stink Dog, November, Visker's Mouse, Cinder Elm Creek, Skip with two Ps, who's also here at the con. I don't know if he's out there in the audience. There he is. There he is. Oh. To scan way, way, scan way back to find him over those crowds of people. Uh, Shiro, Altivo, Mythic Fox, Trendane, Kaz, Geraldine, Earthdigger, Buckwolf, Normane, Drenth, Robin DF1. I remember trying to figure out how to say that. Newfer, who we met at Comic Con. Folstar, Dimitri, Border, Theorin, Eli Lapso, Playa Roy. I remember him too because we thought it was Playa Roy. And then I was like, my Southern California is coming in because I think it's Playa Roy. And you said he's not a beach. Yeah. I, th- I think that, that Beehoff would I think agree with the Playa. I think it's Playa Roy. <laughs> K. Richard, Loran, Sai, 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 oh, Sai Cheetah. <laughs> Friday does apologize for misspellings, but he spelled Sai, P H S Y. Storm Kitty, Running Catch, Calderconus, Aiden, Cluffy, Gayleaf, Spots. Tasteless Wolf, Spouts, Shira Takomi, Andy, Kaltebilt, I remember that one too. Uh, Lovejoy, you have to do your Lovejoy voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> uh, Thanks for mentioning me on the podcast, Kyle. <laughs> it's terrific to be included in a part of this wonderful show. <laughs> Zirin Kitsune. TJ Fulf, Kindar, DJ Dragon, uh, Odd, Blender, Matt Stewart, Dusk, The Dog Bomb, Zia McCorgie, who's also here in the audience, 1X, Delfer, Dragon Man Mike, who we did an interview with at, God, was it Rainforest last year we did with, I think it was, uh, Rifka, who is at the con, but I don't see him in the audience, um, Xavian, who we look forward to seeing at Rainforest again in about a month. An Australian reading wolf and Machos. Machos? Machos? Was it Machosi? Machosi? I think it's Machosi. Machosi. Fratus says, happy 50th and keep writing. And Fratus is an actor fox, so if you're all in Northern California, um, check out some of his productions sometime. Well, thank you, Fratus. That is intimidating and a little bit worrisome. I, I, I want to know what like state his mind is in if you're just listening to us talk for 16 hours. Yeah. I can't listen to me talk that long. I, I, I have trouble listening to us talk through an entire show. I can listen to our shows. I, I can't really listen to me doing No, I meant while we were recording them. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> but, uh, well, oh, thank you. Us. Oh, us. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that. So, thank and thank all of you guys for coming out to see us. We, um, we love doing these shows and we love hearing from you. So, does anybody out there have questions about writing or anything they want to ask us about our books or our stories? We have an audience mic. Oh. All right. We have, we have a question from B-Hop. Don't step on Kiba's tail. <laughs> Kiba is a wonderful podcast audience dog, by the way. He's very even-tempered and doesn't mind a big rabbit hopping over him. <laughs> so, LeBron... <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, um, oh, too soon. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's great to see you guys again, though. By the way, so uh, I I got to do my um, uh, voice acting workshop here at the con, and uh, my uh, the scripts that I'd written for it. It was actually a lot of fun. I had uh, put them together and uh, 
sent them out to uh, V6, to uh, Alex Vance, uh, to get some help on uh, getting them rewritten, maybe spruce them up a bit. And, uh, and the thing that was dazzling is how much he was able to make the characters come alive with the dialogue. He just found these turns of phrases, these uh, words, this language that just uh, really uh, made it electric. And I got to admit, I felt a little humbled that I wasn't doing that with my own writing. Um, but, uh, and I was wondering, maybe, with you, uh, maybe you guys could uh, talk about what is it that you, that you do to pull uh, more character specifically into the dialogue. So excluding my Lovejoy voice, which... <laughs> It is more just an attempt to embarrass somebody and lose one of my friends. Uh, <laughs> no, if uh, it were that easy, he'd have fled were... a long time ago. Yeah, I, I bring him wine, so it's going to take that more than that for to be rid of me. Now, um, when I write character dialogue in my head, I do try to picture the character delivering the words that I'm writing down. You know, you know, as if it were like a movie or a TV show, which sounds like sort of like generic how to write dialogue advice, but it really does help. And if you're not sure of a line, you know, just like read it out loud to yourself, like actually say it out loud and sort of think like, okay, like, does that sound like something someone would say? And just kind of, you know, getting into that habit and to find an actual voice of the character just sort of just to keep them consistent. That's just sort of part with keeping, like, having a handle on the personality. Yeah, and there's a lot of character exercises out there that you can do. There's worksheets that people say fill out, you know, what what do they like? What are they afraid of? What do they desperately want? Um, what do they, what would they choose in this situation? What would they choose in this situation? What was their favorite color? What did their parents do? Where were they brought up? And the more you the more you think about where did they come from, where are they going? You get a sense for what kind of terms of or what kind of terms of phrase they use. Um, one exercise is to just go to a well-traveled place, walk in a park, or sit in a fast food restaurant or something, and just listen to people talk, and write down the exact words that they use to say things. Because you're if you wait too long, if you kind of think, oh, that was interesting and then don't write it down, your brain will turn it into something that you would say. If you write down the exact words when you hear them, then that preserves those turns of phrase. And movies and TV aren't a bad place to go for stuff like that, but movies and TV, it's kind of like you're taken from someone else's exercise who's already taken it from real people, so you're already a step removed. We, um, I carry around a little notebook, and if we hear interesting dialogue or interesting turns of phrase we write it down and i've on occasion used those in my stories for certain people and sometimes you'll hear something and just think oh that's just how that person would talk um but getting a handle on the character that's a great way to do it and reading the dialogue out loud to yourself what else i was gonna say i would avoid trying to come up with like pet phrases for all of your characters to have to differentiate them because then it sounds really forced after right. a while. Don't overuse it. But like there's I'm trying to think how else to say it. There's certain different rhythms to the way people speak when they're from different areas or different nationalities. Like when you're trying to do a foreign language speaker for instance it helps to know the foreign language and not just know the way they're represented in popular culture um, because 
knowing the language tells you why they speak the way they do. You know, there's typical ways people represent Russian and Spanish and French people in the United States, but if you actually know how the languages are spoken, then you can get a real handle on how would a speaker of that language learn knowing English come over and speak English. If you visit the South, if you visit the Midwest, if you visit California, visit Colorado, um, Kit actually observed in Colorado, he said, I knew I was in Colorado because I was at the coffee shop and I heard like four or five people in quick succession talking about mountain climbing, hiking, bicycling, all the conversations very outdoorsy. So if you think, well, okay, my character is from Boulder, suddenly you're like, okay, well, what is he going to be thinking about? He's like, well, that sounds as tough as, you know, climbing Pike's Peak in a December blizzard. And then you get those kind of turns of phrase. I'm just trying to come up with another, like, really inappropriate analogy, but I won't. I won't. I'll be good. <laughs> and if you've been to a, a furry con, then you know how people talk at furry cons. And, that is and true. <laughs> I'm just here for research. <laughs> that is an exactly. excellent example, Kyle. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. Uh, KG2, K-Fish. Or Knuckles at a K-Tech while I'm here. Thank you, B-Hop. Ah, <laughs> uh, who else... Who else has something they'd like to talk about? Any question? Because if not, we're going to start. What are we going to start doing? Oh, I think we have uh, somebody talking here. All right. So this is Taryn. Hey, Taryn. Hello, Taryn. And uh, I wanted to get your guys' uh, opinion of furry publications in the mainstream. Because Kyle's recently been to Comic-Con. And uh, there have been a lot more furry publications coming out in real-world comic book shops, like Black Sad being reprinted by uh, Dark Horse Comics. And uh, I wanted to know what you guys thought of that. One of the interesting things that someone observed to me about Black Sad, and I'm, I do apologize because I don't remember who it was, but I believe it was an email conversation. I think they said um, Black Sad could have been a furry publication except the authors didn't identify as furry. And I think that's the case for a lot of stuff out in the mainstream. There's people out there who use animal characters. There was a great comic uh, that we picked up by Evan Dorkin and Jill Thompson called Beasts of Burden. And it's about a bunch of neighborhood dogs who chase away monsters and evil spirits, not always with the best of success. But it's totally a furry book, except that the authors aren't furry. So... In a sense, there's already a lot of furry stuff out there in the mainstream. There, the separate question is, how about publications by people identifying within the fandom that take furry characters, like you know, dog people, as opposed to just dogs, uh, and produce them, and what kind of reception are they getting out in the mainstream? And... What I sort of see this as is you get a lot of people saying like, oh, like we just need like, you know, somebody to write something furry to break into the mainstream. And I see that mentioned a lot and I don't necessarily think that should really be like some goal. Like, oh, if we just do like one thing, we'll be noticed. Because I mean, like, if you look at Black Sad, like, yeah, I mean, that's an award-winning comic and, you know, it's very, you know, like well-known to people who read comics. Like, the average person on the street has probably never heard of Black Sad. Right. And, I mean, that's another thing. You know, we are a niche within a niche, and even if we get one level up, we're still a niche, and it's not like, you know, 
everyone's going to be talking about furry stuff like it's, you know, Lost or, you know, Jersey Shore. <laughs> well, I think the reason people say that is because I, always, I, I kind of relate furry stuff to cyberpunk. And cyberpunk sort of exploded at the time Neuromancer came out. Neuromancer won Hugo and Nebula Awards the year it was released. Suddenly, everyone was writing cyberpunk. There were mainstream articles about how cyberpunk was this new wave. And that lasted for about five years. And then it turns out that most people who wrote cyberpunk did not write as well as William Gibson. And it just kind of went away again. I mean, it's, it hasn't ever really gone away. But it sort of subsided again. And it became something that people were aware of in the mainstream. So if you say to somebody, oh, cyberpunk book, and then you're like, oh, yeah, and you kind of have a feel for what that is. But most people probably couldn't name more than two or three actual yeah, so cyberpunk like, oh, books. Oh, is that like The Matrix? Yeah. is about what you'd get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, steampunk is another thing that's very much like furry. It's got more mainstream, friendly visual elements, and it's actually been around for a long time. If you look at the movie Wild Wild West, that was total steampunk. Uh, it was not a good movie, but visually it was... <laughs> hey, but what's-his-name finally got his giant spider. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but so it's only now starting to gather cohesiveness as a fandom. And I think Furry is kind of very much in that same vein, where it's been around for a while. There's always been this sort of, hey, let's do stories with animal characters out in the mainstream, and people accept that to a degree, one degree or another. Um, but at the same time, you know, we were walking around Comic-Con showing off flyers for this uh, wonderful Blotch comic, which is going to come out in January. And most of the people we showed it to just said, wow, that looks amazing. It looks great. And that was it. And then you had one person who showed dogs? it to. One person <laughs> we showed it to said, why do they have to be dog-headed people? And it just, there was just a disconnect. It just didn't click for them. And You're like because that's cool, because because that's how we want to tell the story. Yeah, you know why? Why does your main character need to you know wear a corset and goggles and carry around a big wrench? Because you think it looks cool. <laughs> I will. I will say that the girl genius people are totally cool with furry. Oh, I'm sure they are. <laughs> and actually, Phil Foley has been really helpful with um, with Sofowolf, and his wife is really. Uh, very nice, but uh, and you totally derailed what I was thinking. Um, oh, Tycho, <laughs> Penny Arcade, like Tycho and Penny Arcade said, I literally just cannot hold the image of of my pedal fox person in my mind, and but he said I I consider that a failing on my part, and so I kind of want to investigate it more to see is it just something that I need to <laughs> get used to. <laughs> Of course. Uh, oh yes, you, you do. were mentioned that day on the day they did a comic the about time. robot people being real people. So, I, I think it's, that's one of those weird things that some people just don't connect it's, with. It's interesting how you know robot people are fine, but you know, dog-headed people are not. And you know, it's just it's just one of those things. And I think it's not. I think it's not going to be like you said. One thing that breaks out into the mainstream. We're not going to have you know the furry Harry Potter, but. What is going to happen is that it's going to become more and more exposed. And, like, a ton of people, apparently, learned about furry from the CSI episode because it was seen by millions and millions of homes. And, you know, once they get past the whole, like, 
fur cons or piles of fursuits, yiffing or scritching or whatever it is you're doing. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> then, you know, they started to say, well, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting that people do that. I don't know. What else? Add something. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, I, I didn't go to Comic-Con, but I was at WonderCon, and I probably saw as many people walking around in fursuit as I did see people walking around in homemade steampunk costumes. So, I mean. Yeah. There you go. That was also my experience at the AnimeCon we went to. We were as good as steampunk. Go back, us. So. Yay. And, hey, when you combine the two, you, you can't really lose. That's That's true. Furry steampunk. The next big thing. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tyrion. Yay. Anyone else want to say something? Ooh. Ooh. We have a question from the true Don Ryu. (laughs) So my question is this. Um, Writing comics, I don't necessarily have to develop a writer's uh, identity. But with a few oncoming projects, I'm probably going to have to. Um, because when I do comics, it's really just about visuals to dialogue. But when you're developing your style and trying to convey a story, how do you approach that? How do you develop a personal style as opposed to just technically saying, you know, like he walked to the door or, you know, do you see what I mean? (laughs) They, They sell those on Amazon, like the personal style store. So like, you're talking about how you know you're just doing <laughs> you're talking about how you're just doing visuals and dialogue, but still the like, storytelling and dialogue is still writing. Yeah. And so you, you're still using you know writing techniques and you know applying. You know, about the only thing that you're doing different is that you're just not putting prose down on paper. Right. The pacing, the narrative elements, it's all still there. It's all still fundamentally the same thing. It is storytelling, but without as many words. And you're still building a world. It's just that instead of allowing that world to be built up through words in the mind of the reader, what you're doing is allowing that world to be built up through the visual details that you put into the backgrounds and the characters of every panel and the methods you choose to use, like watercolors as opposed to markers, as opposed to pencils and crosshatched inks, and these all give different feels to your world. And those are decisions that you make just the same as when you're writing. You decide whether you're going to go for a sort of punchy, gritty style or a more expansive high fantasy style or... You're doing a really close third person or you're doing first person or... Yeah. Right, or first person or first person present tense which is really stupid. No one should write a whole book in first-person present tense. Hey. <laughs> I see what you did there. Punch. Ow. So how is it you developed your identity as a writer, though? When you go from someone like, say, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is, you know, Victorian-era detective novels, and yet there is no one else who can write like that. It is very distinctly his. As opposed to fantasy novels, where you have say um tolkien as opposed to emily ron who are very different yet both very long-winded um and then there's you who is very you know you leave a lot to the imagination while at the same time describing enough where we can piece it together how do you come to that point when you're writing well i leave out description a lot because i'm lazy (laughs) and honestly it's not as much fun as writing dialogue take the compliment (laughs) 
<laughs> honestly, I, I mean, will beat you up. I it's swear. sort of like it's I like asked ask, you not to. It's I, I'd, I'd sort of put it at the same point, like you know, how does an artist arrive at a certain drawing style? Like, why does the style they draw look like that? Like, why does your writing come out this way? That's just sort of you kind of just. Well, the long answer go, is you yeah. steal. Yeah, or, I'm sorry. That's the short answer yeah. is you steal. The long answer is. You read, and the things that you read, you steal from little bits from each of those particular authors. Sometimes they're really obvious thefts. One of the things that, one of the devices that I like to use is the sort of break in the paragraph, then align with a, another thought or a recollection from somewhere, like a memory intruding into the flow of the narrative, and then continuing the paragraph, which I stole from Stephen King, which I'm sure he stole from somewhere else, and... You know, that's just a very obvious style thing. But the books that you read inform the way that you're going to write. And just the same way that the art that you choose to appreciate informs the way that you draw and the way that the music you listen to informs what you compose. And people starting out, and and I was the same way. I was just like, I don't have a style my writing's so generic, it's horrible. And eventually, the more the more you write, the more you think, I like when my prose sounds this way. And then when you get to a certain point, there's some exercises that we've been doing in our writing group about varying sentence length, varying the um, length of words that you use in sentences. So if you use lots of long words, it gives the sentence a very different feel and a different style than if you use very short words. Hemingway, very punchy, very short, very short sentences, very clipped. Everything is brusque. Um, Vonnegut. Vonnegut, very long and meandering and indirect and kind of talking to the reader sometimes and then pulling back and saying, well, the reason for this is... And um, and then, you you know, you take what you like from one thing and sometimes you apply it to different works where it's going to be more applicable. Yeah, and I mean... I like to think that, you know, not all of my stories sound the same if you read them. Um, I'm, there's certain similarities, I'm sure, but uh, I try to think, you know, in terms of each individual story, how I want it to sound. And I'm sure there's, like, you know, templates that I subconsciously choose from, but it's not like, okay, and because I'm writing the story, it has to sound like this. I mean, I, I try to vary it up. And I also want to make it interesting for myself. But you can, but you can also use that. Uh, I'm sort of getting off topic, but uh, about God, it was like th- almost three years ago now. In my live journal, somebody challenged me to write in ten different styles. Hi, Jonas, and I picked out a passage from Vol. And looking back on it, some of it was kind of clumsy, but it it was an interesting exercise because. I said, okay, I'm going to write this passage like Hemingway. I'm going to write this passage like Shakespeare. I'm going to write this passage like Stephen King. And it really lets you pick out what are those guys doing differently that makes them distinctive. And what do I like about that? And what do I not like about that? Now I want you to, like, rewrite a chapter of Vol as if it were written by Kei Hirosaki. <laughs> <laughs> then he died and was sad. <laughs> See, now I was thinking out of position in Iambic Pentameter now. Uh, sort of a Homeric uh, odyssey about a gay fox and a football player. Shall I compare thee to a swishy fox? <laughs> Thou art more temperate and more bright. Ah, <laughs> 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 unsheathed, raising the bar. Yes. 
indeed. But good question. Thank you. K-Tech, how's our time? You'll let us know when we have to move on to the next portion of the program, right? Yes, to the bonus round. <laughs> Where all the scores <laughs> are doubled. <laughs> I was, that was my little spinny thing. Really? I didn't think you did that in public. <laughs> <laughs> he had a muzzle like a kazoo. Every time he wheezed, it would blow this shrill sound right into your ears that made the fur on the back of your neck stand up. <laughs> wow. You just pulled that right out, huh? From somewhere. From somewhere. This is a well-lubricated otter. <laughs> Sorry, had to check. Um, That's fine. It's water. Hi, introduce I, yourself. We know who you are, but the people on That's the podcast true. can't I, I'm, I'm Damon Husky, and um, I accidentally became Kim, like somebody's best friend at this con. Figure that out. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had a, a, a couple of questions. I don't know if it's okay to ask, too. Um, the first would be, like, what... As somebody trying to write more betterer, um, what, is, what is a good standard, because... Um, in a panel I, did, where I was at recently, it's like publication is easy. You can go online, upload a PDF, and they'll put a cover on anything. So, getting published isn't quite the 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 high point that it, it could have been, you know, years ago. So, what is a good standard or, or a good goal to set for um, yourself as a writer that you could say, if I achieve this, then that's that's a milestone, that's a marker. Um, in my progress as a writer or an author? Well, as far as publishing goes, there's a difference between, hey, I wrote this, put it together and print it for me, and, hey, here's something I wrote, would you like to publish this? And then they have to decide yes or no. So there's there's some of that uh, to it. Um, I do think that the vanity press phenomenon has been actually more of a detriment to the writing community than anything helpful for the most part. It's hard to say because there's definitely – there's something that makes people feel good about just seeing their work bound in a volume with a nice cover. And certainly it gets it out there to an audience. The problem is that, as you've noted, and you know, even back before the explosion of self-publishing and print-on-demand and PDFs and, and whatnot, Vanity Press – Brandity Press really never got anyone recognition. People would print stuff up and distribute it to family and friends. Um, we ran into one guy who printed apparently like thousands of copies of his book and was distributing them for free on street corners in both um, Chicago and was Seattle the other city? I forget where else we were. Maybe it was San Jose. But we were in like two different cities in the span of a month and we saw this the same book being given out and it was some... Alaska wolf totem thing and I think we picked up a free copy and never read it so you know there you go you can drop 10 grand or 20 grand on a on a print run and still you know this guy was not the next bestseller um, but what it has done is it's allowed people who do have that kind of creative spark to come to the attention of other people and you're starting to see some success stories where people publish their web comic or publish their story on the web 
Uh, there's a book called House of Leaves, which was originally completely published on the web, and it became popular enough to where it was picked up and released as a bound volume. An editor at a publishing house decided, I can make money by releasing this under my imprint. So that's always a good milestone. There are a couple... Yeah. If people are willing to pay to read what you wrote. Yeah. And so, you know, if, you, if you're printing it yourself, maybe, you know, you go, to a fur, you go to a furry con and you sell 30 copies to people you don't know. That's pretty good. Um, if you go to one of the furry publishers and they say, yeah, we'd like to print your book, that's another milestone. Um, if you get stories published in online zines, that doesn't really quite have the cachet it used to just because there's about 100 of the online zines out there and they come and go. Like if you look at the online market for short stories, half the entries are defunct and half of the rest are no longer taking submissions. And I'm actually wondering like, how many people in this room remember what zines are. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm sure there are people who don't. Um, but I think, you know, you, you – the first milestone is getting somebody to pay money, somebody who doesn't know you, interested enough in your story that they pay money for something you wrote. And the second milestone is getting somebody who read the first thing you wrote to come back and ask you for more and pay for something else. Um, and after that, I mean, as you go on, you sort of become aware of these other vague milestones. It becomes a question of having a large number of people contacting you about your book, having people outside the furry fandom... I mean, for for us, having people outside the fandom looking at your stuff. Um, what else? Um, you covered the big ones, I think. Having Hollywood contact you to have a movie made out of your book. We think, Ameri- invited. We think America's ready for a gay football tiger. Well, I mean, after Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, what was the... Was it... Ewan McGregor and Jim Carrey in that yes, movie yes. that never got released here? There was, in, in case you guys didn't know about this, there was a, a movie called, um, God, I, I can't. I don't. I love you. I love you, Philip Morris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Starring Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor, who you think would be bankable stars in the United States, about a gay romance. A guy goes to jail and falls in love with his cellmate. Not prison gay, but like real gay. And... It was released in England, but they could not find a distributor that was willing to pick it up here. So it's like you think like Jim Carrey and you. You could sell a movie with either of those, but but both of them, it's just like, hello. Yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd, I'd pay money to see you and McGregor kiss a boy. Who who was it that did it at the uh, at the basketball game? Oh, recently? it was it Dustin was, Hoffman. It was and Dustin Hoffman and Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. That's it. Way to go, Jason Bateman. Yeah? Michael Bluth. (laughs) Cheers. I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Now I'm just picturing him singing Afternoon Delight again. Oh, God. (laughs) Wow, our TV show references are are, are going further back in time. I was going to say, Arrested Development was 30 Rock before there was 30 Rock, so I think it's okay. All right, can I ask another question? Yes, sure, um, go ahead. You've got the mic. I have the mic, yes. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Um, I guess another question I have is, you know, you mentioned, like, the CSI episode. A lot of people found the fandom, got their first impression of what the furry fandom is from, from like, CSI. Um, 
like there's at least three publishers represented in our our dealers den and yep. if i had to take like a quick guess on the percentage of literature that would confirm or enhance the image that csi has there seems to be a lot of stuff that is definitely you know driving it at the image of, of furries yiffing and scritching or whatever it is um as far as trying to write something more mainstream um i'm panel I was in previously was discussing like Red Wall, which I haven't read all of because I got tired of it after about eleven books. Like, just, just just read Red Wall and you're done. <laughs> well, it's like it's, it's I think there are exactly zero sex scenes in Red Wall. Um, so is it is it is it something that that as furry writers we can we can not write CSI follow ups? <laughs> um, I know that I know that you both have. I'm just asking for expounding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since you asked, um, I I hear from time to time that furry literature is taken over by porn, and that seems to be usually spoken by people who don't want to see furry literature contain any porn. And I'm not. I mean, you're you're going by what you see in the the dealer's room. Um, I'm familiar with Sofa Wolf's and Fur Planet's catalogs, uh, not so much with Rabbit Valley, but I know that Fur Planet's major releases this year, um, would you say, Tyrion's right back there, would you say like 50-50 adult non? Uh, or 60-40, yeah. 75-25, yeah. yeah. Fur Planet's got a lot of non-sexual titles that they put out. Sofa Wolf probably 60-40 non-adult this year. Um, and so it, but the problem is that the adult stuff kind of dominates the perception because it is out there and, you know, there would be people, uh, you know, from Comic-Con, people who would come up to the booth and say, okay, where's the dirty stuff? And we're like, you know, it's in this little corner of the table, not in the entire rest of the booth. And they'd be like, oh, okay, and they would go right to that corner of the table. Well, I just want to see the dirty stuff. So part of the problem is not necessarily producing non-adult works. It's changing the perception of non-adult works because part of the reason that the adult stuff is so popular is that that is the stuff that people tend to latch on to because you know, for whatever reason. And that's the kind of stuff I think I have, I have this whole long list of theory, way too long for this live show to go on about, um, why adult stuff, why specifically there's a lot of gay adult stuff in the furry fandom is because there's not much other place to find gay adult fiction anywhere. You can find straight adult material just about anywhere, pick up any fantasy novel and, you know, two out of three chances, it's going to have a, a fairly well described sex scene in it somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, if you know, like, look at, like, you know, like, Laurel K. Hamilton with the Anita Blake books. They're full of graphic sex scenes, but nobody's saying, oh, Laurel K. Hamilton is a porn writer. Her books are right up on the shelf in the fiction section along with everyone else. And, you know, if you're 16 years old and you buy a Laurel K. Hamilton book, they're not going to card you and make you not buy it. Right. And so I think, so anyway, the gay adult stuff is what gets passed around a lot. The, uh, the adult stuff in. It's, it tends to be you can't find, like, adult furry material anywhere else outside the fandom. You can find non-adult furry material outside the fandom. 
it's not hard. There's anime, there's manga, there's science fiction and fantasy. There's fantasy with cat people and wolf people and people who ride wolves and people in the in the non-adult sense. And then, um, and and just everything. You know, if you're if you're a furry and you just want stories with animals or animal people or intelligent animals, you can just go to Barnes and Noble and browse the shelves. Yeah. Like, hey, new Redwall. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So, so, so does that mean that, like, for because you were saying earlier that there are stories you would call furry stories, but they're not because the authors don't identify as furry. Right. So is that is that the key? Maybe. I mean, I think what I what I would recommend to people is look for the look for the works that you like and want to promote and promote them. Look for the works that are being published by Fur Planet, by Sofa Wolf, by Rabbit Valley that are not adult. Because they're publishing some good stuff. And read those and tell your friends about them and be as passionate about the non-adult works as the people who, you know, this is the only place they can find that kind of fiction. And so they're passionate about it. You know, match that passion. But a lot of people really kind of prefer to put that passion into just complaining that there's too much adult stuff out there. And obviously, like, Kyle and I are the last people who are going to complain about adult furry fiction <laughs> doing well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're not. Gonna, but I mean, I'm, like using like Laurel K. Hamilton as an example, I guarantee you, there's like twenty times more sex in the latest Anita Blake book than there is in Shadow of the Father. Yeah, which has like two very tame and tasteful scenes in like the whole thing. Right. Spoilers: Shadow of the Father is not full of yiffing. Or, or <laughs> in uh, at least the current draft of Summerhill, which has. Yeah. One, one long scene, but then that's about it. That's about it. Um, and, you know, my my books have done pretty well out in the mainstream gay romance field, or the mainstream gay fiction, more gay romance, because they have those Come romantic elements, and they're a little less touchy about sex than, you know, the mainstream mainstream, but... It's all it's all a question of perception, yeah. and you know we really could talk about this for days too. Yeah, honestly, we we, we have like, between <laughs> we, each other. We, we talked about We've it. Yeah, talked about this extensively. And in fact, you could have just asked that one question at the beginning of the podcast, and we, would and we still could have be going. gone on and filled one more question. Okay, Tech is limiting us to one more question. He says we have to be quiet now. That's why. That's why he's our filter. He's a good wolf. Oh, there we go. I don't know if I don't know if Keeb is vocal enough to ask a question. Could we? <laughs> we'll we'll do that. Ribs. We'll do that to close the question section. So I'm Skip. Hi, um, Skip. You're Skip with two P's, right? Yes, with two okay. P's. Um, not sure how relevant this question is, but um, say you were like a professional writer writing in mainstream, and then also writing in furry, sort of as a side thing. How would you like decide how to allocate your time? when you're writing on the mainstream stuff that your publishers want or the stuff that you're writing for furry? You know, it would really depend on what sort of setup you had going. I mean, if I had a contract with a publishing house that they needed, you know, stories or novels from me, like on a particular deadline, and that was what was putting food on the table, then I would obviously put that first. Um, Yeah, I think, in the setup you've described, I'm going to assume that 
you would be writing mainstream stuff because that pays the bills and you'd be writing furry stuff on the side because that's what you love and in that case i would say you would allocate your time to get the mainstream stuff done on contract on deadline and then to break it up write the furry stuff that you love as you have the time i mean i can see i I have a i have a job and i write furry stuff kind of on the side and filling in the cracks of the days and every little minute that i can spare and if i had a job writing mainstream fiction mainstream non-fiction mainstream whatever i would treat it just the same i would start writing from not at nine in the morning take a lunch break end around five and then go off and write the stuff that i really love to write yeah i mean like my writing is something that i do in my free time and i could just be writing you know regular stories about regular people that i could try to be aiming for you know different markets but you know since this is my free time what i want to write is you know stories about animal and that's that's what i'm compelled to write that's what i enjoy writing so that's what i write now if uh, if all of y'all out there in the audience would just get 10,000 friends hooked on furry fiction then we could write furry fiction full time and avoid that whole dilemma <laughs> And then people will say, oh, how come you don't come with books more often? Well, if, I, if neither of us had day jobs, hey. Exactly. So how about a, how about a question from our canine guest? He's, he's very cute down there. He looks he's tired. Not sure, if he's, not sure if he's enjoying the podcast, but he seems to be very mellow. So, Yeah, it's, I, I will say so far that our experience at Rocky Mountain FurCon, just to fill in a little bit of time here, has been really good. Uh, it's always lovely to be in Denver and not have to be outside when it's 95 degrees and um we actually though missed the thunderstorm but we did see a double rainbow we did all the way <laughs> so you have intense. to make you have to make that reference because i still have not experienced the uh initial <laughs> after after this i'll take 3 minutes out of your life Kyle and uh-huh ah <laughs> uh. Now he's like, now, now he just wants. Aw. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's as good as we're gonna get. Let's. Yay. Yay, Kiba. That is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and another one just for good measure. Thank you, Kiba. Now you'll stay get, quiet for the game show portion of yes. this, this, this panel. I'm sure you'll get as many pets as you can handle. Um, so, K-Tech, how are we going to do this? Uh, we need to pick two people. I need you people. to uh, pick two audience members. All right. So, how are we going to pick two audience? We thought we should have... Uh, we should have thought of this ahead of time. We should have thought of this ahead of time. <laughs> we can play spin the bottle. All right. Wait. Well, let's see. How many people out there would be interested in being a participant here? Oh, wow. We have... Uh, a bunch of late hands went up. So, we have potentially five... Six. Um, I'm trying to think of a good way to do this. We could each pick a number between one and ten, and whoever comes closest, an integer counting number between one and ten. Yeah. I know we have a lot of geeks in the audience. Um, and whoever comes closest would. Do we need to write them down first so that we know we're not doing shenanigans? Ah, uh, sure, we'll do that. All right, I'm going to write mine down. All right, I'll and write mine uh, next to yours. We're going to go, you can, you can then use the same or a different one. So we're going to go 
I'm going to start on this side, on the left side of the room and go this way. And when Kfish does his number, he'll start on that side of the room and go the other way. And that way we will have the uh, sort of even-handed chance to, to select the people. So starting from the left-hand side of the room, anybody's interested, guess an integer counting number between 1 and, I'm sorry, an integer counting number between 1 and 10 inclusive. Does that cover all yes. the bases? Am I nerdy yeah. enough for that? Seven. No. Six. Ten. Ten. Ten is it. All right. Write yours down. All right. Is, uh, is Kimu going to be okay if you're... Okay. <laughs> He's going to be handed over to someone else. All okay, right. So start, start over there. there. Seven. No. Two. No. Who's next? Who's next? Who else wants to be going back this way? Five. No, alright. Six, eight. No, okay. What, we um, went through the whole room. I, th I, think it was, I think it was five was closest. Yeah, I think five was closest. Congratulations, Zia. Alright. Okay, so... These come are on contestant up. chairs. Yeah, come on up and uh, introduce, your, introduce yourselves. Oh, and... We should introduce for the people oh, at yeah. home. If you don't know the rules of this game. <laughs> um, we're, we're going to be playing our own little sort of short variant of the 1025 or $100,000 pyramid. We have uh, in advance prepared some categories with words. The first round is very much like password. We have 30 seconds to get seven words. And then in the final round, there's the exciting pyramid um, in which there's six categories and we have to list off things in the category without using hands or other prompts. No hands. You cannot... Uh, do you have the rules? Do you want to just say them? Okay. Um, in the early rounds, you can use hands, you can use hand gestures, um, you can stand up, you can do whatever you want, although don't stand up because then you won't be on the mic. Um, the one thing you cannot do is say any part of the word that is that you're trying to guess. And we, we do have a judge here, and apparently we do have a stick that we will use. We have we have a judge with a stick. I, I promised. Right, I felt like I did. You did. You brought your staff to the unsheathed. Um, so you cannot use any part of the word that's on the screen. Um, in the pyramid round, the winner circle, you cannot use your hands to gesture. The clues will be categories, as in, you know presidents of the United States, and all you can do is list things in those categories, and the other person has to guess the category from the things you're listing. So, um, let's introduce our two contestants. Uh, playing with me will be... Pichan. And uh, here on, on the Hirosaki side, we have the, the ineluctable... Sia McCorgy. Um, I'm going to leave it to our producer to tell us how, who's going to go first and... Okay, heads. heads. Okay. So yeah, I'll start. Right. Me and Zia. Start. Okay, so you're going to be listing off things and I'm supposed to guess the category? Is that no, 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 at this point I'm going to be describing things and you have to guess what word it is. Okay. Okay, so there are instructions for the, uh, the host here. So obviously Kyle Gold, you should only be picking the ones that are gold. Um, Kim Hirosaki, you should only be picking the ones that are blue. Okay. Uh, I, I have to start with tell me a porn story. Tell me a porn story is the category. Basically, essential parts of an erotic story. And 
Begin. Uh, when characters talk to each other. Dialogue. Ding. Uh, the main narrative thrust of the story. Like, the, which describes what happens. Um, the... Yeah, like, when... You, the, the basic th- main thread of the story. The story? No, the story no. <laughs> <laughs> like, it describes the action and what the purpose of the story is. <laughs> if it's pure porn, it doesn't have one of these. A plot. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> the... The, the people in the story. The characters. Time's up. Uh, Time's up. <laughs> I believe that was two. That was a, yes, it was a stunning two. It was okay. a stunning two. And you, you do realize you can say skip if you do it. Not, not oh, skip yeah, a pass, pass, yeah. but you okay. can pass. Okay, we didn't know that. Uh, I'm trying to get you to get it. Excellent. I'm sorry. Okay. So that's a feel of how this works. All right. This episode is already awesome. Uh, just because of... Just because of the way he finally got you to guess plot once. A porn story doesn't have one of these. <laughs> okay, Mr. Gold. Um, I, I think we're, we're going to have to go for, excuse me, stewardess, I speak jive. <laughs> the uh, category is, excuse me, stewardess, I speak jive. Words having to do with furry slang. <laughs> furry slang. Uh, this is when people use their claws to make someone else... Scritch? Yeah. Ding. Uh, this is the sound people do when they're getting scritched. Um, they <laughs> Ding. <laughs> this is what's at the end of your leg. Uh, but paw? Uh, but at the end of your leg, not your hand. Foot paw? Ding. <laughs> this is what they do when they really like each other. Um, yes. Ding. <laughs> this is what an old fur is called. Great, uh, Grand Yes. Ding. This is Time's what up. <laughs> that was nice. a very five, I believe. <laughs> it's okay. We can catch up to you. No. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm going to go with our, th- our 43rd president. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, category is our 43rd president. Uh, animals that begin with the letter W. Uh, okay, like digger, wombat, ding. Uh, everyone has this as their persona. Wolf, ding. Uh, it's like a kangaroo. Um, wallaby, ding. Oh crap! Like <laughs> skip, skip, pass. Uh, a famous cartoon bird. Um, alliterative name. <laughs> skip. He had the red head. Oh, damn it. It's a kind of it's a kind of bird that Welsh people eat. Uh, Time's up. <laughs> kind of bird that Welsh people eat. <laughs> a rat. Wow. A rat. You could have said it was a name of a character on Pirates of the Caribbean. No, no. Or the name of the guy who designed St. Paul's Cathedral. Oh yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> so you I would don't think we're making the winners. For that. <laughs> no. Um, so so what do you think? We have Telltales or Show Me the Money. Um, telltales. Telltales. We're going to take telltales. That is tail tales. <laughs> things you come. <laughs> oh dear. Things you come across in amateur furry smut stories. <laughs> things you come across in amateur furry smut stories. Oh dear. Um, this is when two characters meet and immediately they know they're going to be together for the rest of their lives. True um, love. No. Uh, first love. Um, love at first sight? Yes. Ding. 
Uh, this is what a character loses the first time they have sex with the mate they're going to be with forever. Um, virginity? Ding! <laughs> and this is what they found that first time they meet um, in each other. They're each other's... Soulmates? Um, um, they're not false, time. but... Two of? I believe that was yeah, just two that time. Yeah. I thought you got true love in under the wire. I'm upset you didn't get to see the rest of that category. Oh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll <laughs> go down all the categories. Uh, can, we get a, can we get a quick score? Uh, it is five to seven uh, with Kyle in the lead. Okay. Kyle, seven. We can, we can still KM, up five. To, so I guess our last category here is update your calendar. <laughs> oh. That would be, be a tough one. Update your calendar. That is furry conventions. Oh, joy. Past and present. Okay, I hope you know geography. <laughs> okay, it was like the big one in California for the longest time. Califer? No, no, before that. Um, f- f- skip. Uh, yeah, pass. Uh, okay, um, the one that Cog is, but before the one he has now. Um, the one in Pennsylvania? The Pennsylvania no, 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 before that. Ah, in New York. New York summer? No, ah. pass. Uh. Okay, it's in Germany. Your your friends? Yes. Ding. Uh, we're here now. Uh, <laughs> Rocky Man for a con. Ding. Right. Uh, Time is up. Okay. Just. <laughs> I will say I believe it's tied right now. Uh, it is. It is tied. So we just need to get. So we just need to get one in this last category. That is correct. You need to get one. All right. All right. So we're going for show me the money. Things you find in a dealer's room. Okay, things we find in a dealer's room. Uh, this is what people give to artists to draw a picture of their character in. Um, books, uh, sketchbooks. Ding. That right. is it. Yay. We have a winner. <laughs> Nicely Good done. Yeah. Your categories were a lot of fun. Ren. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, I think on our on our next episode, or maybe actually, depending on how much time we have left at the end of this one. Uh, oh, you have to come back. You have to. Oh, we have to do the winner circle. We're, we're not yeah. going to the winner circle. For for fabulous yif, yafs. Yes, and, and uh, what is what is our prize? Uh, that's a good question, Kyle. What is our prize? <laughs> what is our prize? What are we giving the winner here? I don't know. We didn't do the Seven Eleven, so I'm not sure. Um, we'll figure out something. Yeah. We'll talk afterwards. It, it will be. We'll fabulous. buy a, We'll we'll buy a bottle of wine or something. <laughs> okay. Now, would would you like to explain the winner circle? Um, we're going to be, um, as we discussed earlier, there's going to be categories coming up on the board. I'm just going to be naming things that fit the category, and you have to tell me what the category is. It's kind of the opposite of what you already did. right. Yeah. Okay. And wow. I'm, <laughs> and I'm I'm not allowed to use my my hands in any way, so I'm just going to sit on them here. And there's one minute. And there's one minute to get six of these. I don't think we're going to do it, but. And? A tail, ears, your t-shirt from. Uh, fursuit? Um, a fursuit, a t-shirt from, uh, a t-shirt from your favorite comic book. Um, um a, your badge. Um, your. Accessories? Cus- um, your custom badge, your t-shirt, uh, next. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yap, squeak, bark, meow, meow, bark. Sounds that you make as a furry? Um, <laughs> can take that one. Animal sounds? We'll take yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, this pillow is so comfortable. These sheets are terrific. I love these. I love this comforter. It's so thick. Things um, that are, things that um, make us myrrh. The, I, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Uh, I'm so tired. It's so good to rest I, after I'm a sorry long day. that uh, time oh. is up. <laughs> oh. We got one. What were the other three? That was, okay, so that, um, that was, what else? I'm much better the other way around, obviously. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the first one. Uh, ears, a tail, badges. Anyone else? What, what did I forget? Um, so the, the uh, Okay, so we're going to do these two things. So let's just, we'll go through this one. So it was things you say, things you wear at a furry con. Uh, sounds that an animal makes. It's the one you got. Um, I was I was trying not to go the <laughs> the erotic route, but um, why these? <laughs> Hi, what's your name? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I wish I could. I wish I could sleep for five more minutes. Um, these pillows that are so soft. Be, uh, things you I love say, you. things, th- things you say in bed. Oh. Um. <laughs> you should have gone the erotic route. Uh, okay. Um. Would you draw my character? How much do you charge to draw my character? Um. Things you ask somebody who does character drawings or who does personas or mm-hmm. well, furry artists. Things enough. you ask a furry artist. Oh. um would you do a story all about my character having sex with copyrighted characters um fan fiction um (laughs) would you would you give me a copy of your book for free because then i'll give it to all my friends and they'll get to know your name copyright infringement um would you would you do uh those are those are the two big ones I can think of. Um, is there going to be a sequel to is uh, there, Waterways? <laughs> is there going to be a sequel to Waterways? Uh, when are you going to do another book like that last one? Can you can you put my character in your story? Can you put my character in your story? Um, things you should things you shouldn't ask a furry writer is the category. Oh. <laughs> What's your hardest one there? <laughs> <laughs> I think they have. I think they changed some of them. Half of them. Um, okay, you're you're. <laughs> if you're if you're a male character, um, and you fall in love with another male character, but there's trouble and people are sad throughout, and there's some sex, um, and maybe there's some mind control and <laughs> wow <laughs> i don't think i'm ever gonna guess this um one. but but the ending is kind of bittersweet and sad I'm and nobody's really happy um, you are correct science you're in a km hirasaki story hirasaki <laughs> story <laughs> oh km hirasaki is bright red yes, right now yeah. oh i haven't read I really story, want to show so them the right. other categories so. oh. okay i i think the last one we'll do is we did two pyramid uh final uh winners uh, circle pyramids one was for kyle if he won one was for km so i think it's only fair if km you sit on this side of the mic kyle you go to the other side now oh. first of all a hand for our wonderful guests that yes. participated in this but i i can't sit on the other side because i know those categories or do i you not you may not know all those I categories i don't okay oh. 
like my categories. Oh boy. It's not that we didn't like them, we just thought of ones we liked better. This works too. Uh, you need your badge, Mr. Peachin. Just so you know, this is a sign that we finally run out of people to play with, so now me and Kyle have to play with each other. <laughs> take that. Uh, no. Just take, take it as hard as you way. can. Right. Oh, I can maybe read the reflection in your visor. No, I can't. Right, since, uh, since you do know some of these, I will give you... This is uh, for one minute. One minute? Okay. All right. No hand signals, remember. Or no paw signals. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. Uh... Yeah, you know, opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies. Things at a furry con. Uh, Events at a furry con. Uh, naked foxes. Uh, <laughs> uh, erotic artwork. Things that are sexy. Yes. Uh, Robin Hood, The Lion King. Furry uh, movies. Uh, <laughs> where do you come up with your ideas for your stories? <laughs> Things fans ask writers. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> Things a flustered daughter would say. <laughs> um, girl on girl sex. Things you won't find in a Kyle Gold story. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> 45 seconds. You knew those answers. I, I knew a couple of them. I, I did a couple of those categories, but uh, I didn't do the last one. I was just guessing based on what the last one was at the previous pyramid. So I, had, I did have a few advantages there. That's... <laughs> oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> I, I was actually I was actually I knew that category. I was expecting you to say, What's happening? <laughs> because that was your famous line. Well wow. So what did you guys think? Should we try to do this again or should we switch game shows? Or, uh, resound in applause. All right. Well I really I want to I want to thank um uh, Pichan and Zia for participating. Um, the uh, the early rounds were a lot of fun. Um, the pyramid was a lot of fun yeah, it too. Was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> um, and but I specifically want to give a big shout out to K Tech, who spent a good portion of today working on this pyramid and the technical details to get it done, um, and managed to pull it all together with a borrowed projector, a uh, laptop from his work i think and they should never know about this <laughs> that's okay we never mentioned where you work <clears throat> and we never will and uh and really just did all the the programming with what was is it like a dos emulator that um it's it, it was really I, I thought we could just use like a powerpoint template and it would be fun and simple and easy and um he goes out there and he's just like well, that would be easy, but it would be a little tricky. I found this emulator. I found this DOS version of Pyramid, and I downloaded the DOS emulator to make it work. And then <laughs> just going through all these. So, please, big round of applause for KTech who made this all possible. <laughs> just, just one of the many things he has helped realize. He has helped bring into the real world based on stupid things I've said in a moment of um, silliness. And in this case, in this case, it was Cam Hirosaki and I, and I believe it's on one of our unsheathed episodes, going back and forth and, and saying, "Oh my God, we should totally do pyramid." At which point, Kit says, "I foresee a lot of work in my future." 
but he, as always, is the bedrock upon which this podcast is situated, and we could not, we could literally, where is, oh, there he is, we could literally not do it without him. Cheers. Cheers. So, um, does anybody else have anything they want to say or contribute? Um, anyone? Any, any, <laughs> yaf yaf. We've, we've yes. had a request for some yaf yaf. Uh, I think we already did that, didn't okay. we? Okay, yeah, we did. House of a Thousand Yafs. Yes, 150 yafs. Oh, yeah, we didn't actually announce the, the values on the pyramid, you know, where they were like $150. It was on our screen was 150 yafs, 250 yafs. So I think I think me and Pichan won was it two hundred fifty Fs? I think that was it. We skipped the first one, yeah. But we won one. <laughs> one hundred fifty Fs. One hundred fifty. All right. Well, we want to thank all you guys for coming out. We want to thank Rocky Mountain Furcon for allowing us to do this at um, not literally the last minute, but the uh, email response I got from the events coordinator was. Well, I think we have the space, but we're like a day away from sending the con book to press, so I don't know if we could put it in there. Um, but they allowed us to have this room, uh, gave us way more time than we asked for, gave us a projector, gave us a screen, um, extension cords. They ran and got everything we needed, and uh, they've been great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big hand. And um, we're gonna bid all of uh, all of y'all good night. And uh, yeah, people who are here in the flesh can come talk to us afterwards. Yep, we're gonna do our usual sort of hang around a bit after the con. You can write to us at unsheathedpodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us at unsheathed on Fur Affinity. Um, I'm Kyle Gold on Twitter. Kyle Gold on Live Journal. Um, Kyle on FA. I am Cam Harrisaki on all three of those. And. Come find us, listen to our episodes on iTunes, and uh, come to our next show at oh, yeah. the next how convention. Many, how many people here have not listened to the show before? Anybody? Aha. Uh-huh. Kind of, sort of. Uh-huh. Two, three people. Oh. Two and a half. <laughs> well, three people out of 300 ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next live show will be hopefully at uh, Rain First. Yes. We uh, actually have that on the events calendar. And then um, we will see if we have to do our fall furry meet again. Or will we? Or will we? So, good night, everyone. And keep writing.